Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 28. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Generally Speaking About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft, and this is a podcast where we do real talk about real faith. And I am so excited today to have in the studio with me none other than the world-renowned podcasting pastor of Watermark Community (laughs) Church, Chad Cadell. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go, and I should have had this ready. Yeah, man. Cliff, I'm sitting here watching this on uh, video here, and I'm, I can only think, man, we're bringing Sexy back. Look we, at us. Check that out. Sexy is back in the church <laughs> it is again. Back. It is back. We're, we're recording this live on the internet in front of a streaming audience. Uh, pretty much what I do is I hold everybody that comes to my website captive, and I throw my, my Ustream video out there. It's like, you come to my website, you got to watch this. <laughs> No, seriously, uh, we have uh, some people out there in the live community. But hey, Chad, I wanted to invite people to come and get a closer look at the guy that they've been hearing behind the microphone, at least one of the guys. You and yeah. Tony over there at Watermark Community Church have been doing a fabulous job with your teaching ministry. Appreciate and that. a lot of people in our community, the gspn.tv community, are just devouring these messages. Some of them have never really heard some of this real authentic talk from the pulpit sure. or from the stage or from wherever that is, where that guy sits up, you know, 15 feet higher than everybody else in the <laughs> auditorium and, and expounds upon the Word of God, you know, yeah. and, 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 and hands it down from on high. So it, it, it's, it's different for them. They hear, they hear, matter of fact, the first thing I ever introduced them to was this series called Religion Bites. Yeah, it's one of the greatest series we've ever done. Yeah. And I want, to, I want to say before we go any further this morning uh, how much I appreciate We've gotten a lot of affirmation from you guys in the community that have been listening to the messages. And, man, it really just feeds us a lot of encouragement uh, when we hear you write and, and email in and talk about there's certain things in your life that a certain message is built into you. And some of you are in England, some of you are in California. It's just really cool to see how God is using uh, just some simple messages by just some ordinary guys uh, through his power to transform lives. And so just want to just shout out to you guys how much we appreciate that feedback and encouragement. It helps us get better. It helps us evaluate what we're doing. And if anything, it's just it lets you lay your head down on the pillow at night and say, hey, God, thanks for taking something an ordinary guy like me with your helps trying to offer up and use it to really help people and build lives. It's been been awesome to get that kind of feedback. Appreciate it very much. Absolutely. The, 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 I'll tell you, the audience out there, the, the community that's built around the podcast that Stephanie and I produce, they, they are an amazing a group of people and just so real and authentic in their own lives and and they're such encouraging so encouraging i mean obviously i couldn't be doing what i'm doing uh, making this huge step of faith January 1st. Right. How awesome is it right now to be doing an interview and not be wearing pants even? That is just <laughs> Isn't awesome. That awesome. You can't do that anywhere else in the workplace. <laughs> and awesome. That, and that's why we only do this much of the that's video. That's right. You don't want to see what's at the bottom half, really, honestly. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So anyway, we're here to, uh, to talk a little bit about uh, just authentically sharing our lives with yeah. the community out there. Yeah. And uh, this is not a place where we're going to sit here. We don't even have our Bibles here. What kind of what kind of church kind of podcast is this? We didn't either one of us bring a Bible and sit in front of us. That's not what this is about. We're, going to, we're going to hell, man. We're going to hell. Uh, 
<laughs> and we're taking them with us. That's right. So no, seriously, Chad, I want to introduce people to uh, the concept of Watermark Community Church. Yeah. What is this thing? I mean, who ever heard of a uh, a church who's met for two years that still doesn't have its own building? Yeah. You guys don't have like this huge, you know, ordeal of uh, just. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night stuff. It's it's not traditional at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so much different than anything else is out, that's out there. It's yeah. not 50 billion meetings a week. Chad, how did Watermark come about? Why did Watermark come about? It's a great question. One of the questions we get when people first come to Watermark, it doesn't take them very long to realize this is an unusual place when it comes to church. And the one thing we always want people to understand is that there is a method to the madness. And uh, if I could take you back a few years kind of to the inception, the things that led up to the launch of Watermark. Um, first of all, I'm from northern Kentucky where we planted this church and grew up in this area. And... Um, came back out of college. My wife and I moved back here and we're volunteering in a local church where I grew up. Good place. Great people who built a lot into my life. But uh, the one thing we began to realize is we have a lot of our friends uh, that we did life with, that we hung out with, that were living on our street, that were great people. Some of the nicest people we'd ever done life with. Nicer, honestly, than most people I went to church with. But uh, when you talk to them, God and, and spiritual things in the local church, it was just not on their radar whatsoever. And my wife and I just began really concerned and thinking, how come for these people, these are great people, why is there no interest in their life to, to investigate God or, or to check out the church? And we began to realize that the church we attended, while uh, sincere people and uh, good people, the things that were being stewarded there and the message that was being taught in the environment wasn't a culture that was going to help these people connect. And uh, Tara and I really struggled as we began to pray, God, you know, what do you want for us in this? Because we would drive all around northern Kentucky, and there's literally hundreds of churches. (laughs) And, and, And our first thought would be, well, northern Kentucky doesn't need another church. And we realized that's true. It doesn't. But it, it does need another church for people that, honestly, this is where they are. And here's where we found out people were. When we began to engage our, our friends in conversation about the church, um, their comments were honest and their perceptions were all over the map. Uh, some of those perceptions were fair and real. Some of them maybe not, but to them they were real. And the more you talked with them, you found out to them they had a very clear picture in their mind of what the local church was about. Uh, some of it's from past experience, some of it's from the media, things they've heard, maybe an experience they had when they attended at the age of 11 and they hated it. Uh, but, but we began to hear to, to most of our friends' church, honestly, to them was boring. Uh, it was irrelevant. Um, they would go and, and they would leave not understanding what they experienced. Um, they couldn't apply it. Um, it was maybe sometimes a community that for them as new people was really hard to break into. Um, they had to wear uncomfortable clothes and things in order to try to, to fit and, and not be condemned or judged. Um, it was all about their money. And uh, like I said, whether those perceptions are all fair or not, they're very real perceptions to them. And so my wife and I just became burdened for our, those friends of ours, and we thought, man, in Northern Kentucky, there's about 350,000 people in this three-county area and uh, the average church attendance in Kentucky was 75 people. So while there's a lot of churches, there's not a lot of people attending it. Right. And so we just begin to pray and say, God, you know, what do you want us to do with this? There's just the two of us. But man, God just birthed a very clear vision and dream on our hearts that said, you know, what if, what if we could create a place, an Acts 2 kind of place that we read about in the New Testament for our friends that honestly that's where they were because what we really realized the more they talked was they hadn't given up on God. And they hadn't dismissed the idea of God. They Their responses resonated with everything I was reading in Time and Newsweek and all these articles about the search for the spiritual in America. 
but people had kind of given up on the local church being the place they could find that and connect their life to it. And uh, we realized they hadn't given up on God, but they'd kind of given up on the church. And um, so we began to take that vision and run with it. And uh, we just prayed for God to begin to bring people around us that had that same heart. Uh, people that didn't want to come plant a church because they wanted louder guitar, they didn't like hymns, or they wanted to wear jeans and drink coffee. But at the end of the day, their heart broke over their friends who were great people who were spiritually bankrupt and hadn't connected their life to God. And so we then began to take steps to launch Watermark and uh, birthed it in January of 2005 with just a handful of people. That is awesome. Now, obviously, I, I recall you know, working with you at a, at a certain bigger church in the area mm -hmm. uh, for several years. And I remember you leaving uh, to go do something with, not with Watermark, mm -hmm. but with another church. And, and so you were taken down a road that ultimately led to Watermark mm -hmm. being launched. Uh, but I, I'll tell you my experience. One of the things that, that ultimately, I, and I had really no clue exactly what it is that you were doing after you left the place where, where we were, both were, um, but yet I, I just realized that there was something else that, that drew you away. And at the same time, I was very much struggling with this whole concept of living real authentic life in small communities inside each other's homes and having this cell vision that I've had since 1996. Now, the people that listen to this podcast, they're all aware of close understanding of cell church and stuff right. like that. And so um, anyway, this this whole idea of living out small group ministry where where that is the primary focus, mm -hmm. people encouraging each other on a daily basis, uh, meeting to, in meeting each other's homes on a weekly basis, uh, both in the, in the homes and in the public place to gather to worship, just like Acts two forty two, mm -hmm. and my struggle was always with that whole concept of you know doing that style ministry versus the traditional style ministry, mm -hmm. which is the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. <laughs> And, and by the way, we want you to get involved in at least two or three different ministry projects here at the church, and we have meetings for all of those. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You're so involved and you're so dedicated. We'd really like you to consider yeah. this position uh, <laughs> as deacon or elder. And, right. and oh, by the way, if you're a deacon, you have to come to all the services and you have to shovel the snow on Sundays. Right. And so, I mean, for me, it got to the point where, you know, it seemed like no matter, <coughs> no matter where I went, no matter where I went, no matter what church I ever got involved in, it seemed like the church wanted me to be committed to the church, mm -hmm. not necessarily to Christ. Right. In fact, what I found is that I became spiritually bankrupt over a couple number of years. Mm -hmm. I, I became burned out and got to the point where, to be honest with you, I had no relationship with Christ. I had completely foregone the relationship of Christ. And here I am living out this position of being the pastor of small groups, of all small groups within a pretty sizable ministry. <laughs> and and I am being revered as this man of God that, that's being able to spiritually nurture all these people. And I have no relationship with Christ at yeah, all. Absolutely. But but by golly, I'm so involved in every church activity yeah. up to here that it, I finally became, it's like, you know, I feel like a fraud. Yeah. I feel like a fraud. I'm I'm bankrupt. I don't have anything inside to offer people. So many people are coming to me to give to them, mm -hmm. and I don't have anything to give sure. anymore. And I got to the point where I'm like, I, I, I'm giving up. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want any more part of this. And so in this podcast, I did a series called... Uh, a five-part series called Why I Hate the Church. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I don't hate God. I don't hate the true church. 
but I I hate what the institutionalized traditional church has done to me, yeah. and and has, has honestly drawn me further away from this relationship that I know I once had. Yeah, you know that yeah. my first love. Yeah, I think I think what you say just is so on target. You know, when we when we started Watermark, that's one of the things that we really. <laughs> wanted to strive for and it's actually a an idea that when I when I kind of reconnected with you you kind of even fostered more with us and affirmed and it's that whole idea of of a simple church you know and the churches I've served in the past it's almost been an expectation or a bragging right to be able to open the bulletin and say, here's 947 activities we offer this week. There's aerobics on Thursday. There's ballroom dancing on, on Friday. We've got this on Tuesday to where we really train people to be at church every night of the week. And the thing we said is if our vision and our heartbeat at the end of the day is to be about connecting with our friends who aren't here yet, who are unchurched, that'll never happen if we're at church every night of the week. You know, And so what happened is all of our friends in the church, we were people that were at church all the time. We were pulling into our neighborhoods, putting the garage door down before the car was turned off. My wife and I lived on the street for 10 years, and we didn't know any of our neighbors. Not necessarily because we didn't want to, because we didn't have the time to, because we were at church all the time. And uh, we've really fostered, because of that, that less is more philosophy. And uh, Cliff, you're a guy that put me onto a great book that already affirmed and took to the next level what we've been trying to do called Simple Church by Tom Rainer. And i got to tell you, any of you guys listening, if you're in the local church— Today, right now, get on Amazon, whatever, and get that book, Simple Church by Tom Rainer. It'll revolutionize how you think about church. And I'm not a guy that goes out and reads a different book every day and constantly changes what we're doing here. But if you want something that really gets you back to what it's about and a simple acts to church, man, that is it. And and so, you know, at our church, we're just about a few things. And that's really not going to change as we grow. That's hard because as you grow, more people show up and go, well, but are you going to start a women's ministry? When, when, when are you going to start a quilting ministry and a tractor ministry? And when are we going to have boys campouts? And we've said no, a few things. Because what we discovered is when you don't do that, uh, you have people that attend four Bible studies a week, but don't serve using their gifts in any capacity. Yeah. Or they attend three different worship services a week, but they're not in a small group. And so we just kind of direct our people. I think people need help navigating through, I'm, my life's busy, tell me what to do. And so we tell our people, hey, if you're going to give us a few hours a week, Here's what we'd encourage you to think about. Come on a weekend and bring an unchurched friend with you and celebrate what God's doing in this place in a weekend service. Take another hour and get in a small group during the week, which is where you really grow, mm-hmm. where you really do life, where your life's really going to launch spiritually. And then take another hour and identify the gifts God's given you, serve in some capacity, and then get out of here. <laughs> and and that's, that's honestly the beauty of not having a building. I celebrate that we don't have a building for I a couple of reasons. Uh, it's it's first of all, it's built into our people in the early days of this church, kind of this gladiator kind of warrior mentality mm-hmm. where we could go to them tomorrow and say, "Hey, we got to move to this school next weekend. We're going to be up all night having to move stuff," and they'd be like, "All right." I mean, they wouldn't even think about it. That you don't get when you start with gobs of resources, your own facility. It builds that DNA into your people, and it reminds your people what the church is about. Uh, Last summer, we had to relocate for the whole summer to another school because of renovations. It was a no-brainer. It was it was a breeze because our people have realized the church is them, not brick and mortar. Yes. And uh, it builds a DNA that will that will last for the long haul and I think really impact the smell of this church for the future. Right. You know? I, I you know, so honestly, I, I left the, the place where I was, and, you know, I started reading um, the book. Uh, oh, gosh, what's the name of the one by... Um, Barna, uh, revolution, revolution, revolution. And of course I, the, the whole, why I hate the church was based upon that book as I was reading it. It's like, I, I agreed with some of what he said, but I 
totally disagree with this idea that you throw out the whole local church, right. you know, or that you can. Right. Not that he doesn't necessarily say that you should, but it's totally okay for you to be this lone ranger Christian. And it's like, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, you're not. There's not a single place in your book where you've asked the answered the question where obviously a countless number of people have to have asked you. What about the place where it says you have elders, you have deacons, you mm-hmm. ha- these people are necessary for the you know right. where where do you fit that into your yeah. you know revolutionary Christian right and and the other thing that that I I took offense to in his book was that uh, he gave some examples like in an early chapter chapter one chapter two of two guys went out golfing mm-hmm. this one was the like he was anti church establishment but he was involved in this 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 and this and the other guy was anti-church establishment but he was like i hate this i hate this i hate this and he says and here's what you have the person a is your super ultra (laughs) godly man who's just fed up with the church and he is the ideal revolutionary he's the guy who's going to take the the uh, the kingdom to the next step and this other guy he's a backslider yeah i'm like wait a second I am person B. Yeah, and that's great. And you know, in my mind, when I when I look for a revolutionary, and to me, this is a revolutionary. A revolutionary is who looks at the condition of the local church and has a holy discontent about it. That says, yes. "I'm fed up with that. I'm I'm fed up with that." I read Acts two, and I see this contagious attractive picture of the local church in the New Testament. I read that and I see hungry people getting fed all the time, no need going unmet, disconnected people getting connected, lonely people getting embraced, broken people getting healed up, and it was happening in the local church. And I think what's happened is is because people have gotten fed up with with, with, with the local church, they've, they've kind of retreated to a lot of parachurch organizations that are great things. Uh, my life in college, honestly, was built in huge spiritually because of a church organization and honestly I think for several years most converts and most people coming to Christ if it wasn't for those places there wouldn't be a lot of new Christ followers because it's not been happening in the local church but there's kind of been this retreat from the local church because people have kind of given up and said there's no hope for it yet I go back and read Acts 2 and I read that picture of people meeting in homes and doing life together it says people every day were in awe of God yeah it says numbers of people were being saved daily not not three a year in a baptism once every six months all that was just the norm i say why can't we recapture that today in 2007 why can't what happened in jerusalem happen in northern kentucky and i believe it can Mm -hmm. and my prayer is that god is going to raise up people that that go you know what the local church that was god's original blueprint the local church when it's firing on all cylinders is the hope of the world and god i think is crying out for some pioneers and some revolutionaries to say i'm going to come back and recapture that with god's help yeah i I, and and i see that and and what's amazing is is that you know when I came to Watermark and 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 the very first sermon I ever heard was religions by religion bites part one yeah or I think I came to Easter before but but then yeah. we did religion bites parts one and 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 it's like wow this is it this is why I'm here this is this is where God's called me to be and <coughs> I decided I wanted to be a part of a place where I could be me mm-hmm. I don't have to you know I what I'm wearing right now I, I do have pants on by the way you really do uh, I, I'm for wearing, now for, for now. now they've not come off yet yes. this thing's gonna get wild in just a minute <laughs> exactly Hang, stay tuned in don't go away alright so anyway I'm I'm wearing my blue jeans I'm wearing a t-shirt this is who I am yeah this is who this is this is Cliff being comfortable right here absolutely and this is this is this is how Cliff mm-hmm. is most going to be comfortable to have a conversation with with you you mm-hmm. without feeling uptight and yeah. and all pinched and all that other stuff. Yeah. You know, this is this is where I shine. 
in these clothes. I, I don't know what the difference is, but it's, it's where I shine. Yeah. And to know that I came in on Sunday at Watermark for the very first time, it was an Easter service. <laughs> Easter Sunday, yeah. I was wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, I know this is, I know that this is um, a, a, a more laid back place and stuff, but I mean, it's, it's Easter Sunday. Yeah. And I would, lo and behold, here's Chad and the, all the, People on staff of Watermark, everybody in blue jeans up on the stage, and everybody else in the crowd is just, you know, it was all yeah. people being themselves. I'm like, whoa, well, yeah, what's be- up with right, this? Because it's, it's our thought that, you know, <laughs> for certain people, you know, Easter and Christmas, that's the time we come, we get all gussied up, and that's the day we really love and celebrate Jesus. And our thing is, we do Jesus 365 days a year. So whether it's Christmas or Easter, yeah, I love Jesus on those days, but I follow him the other 363 days out of the year. So I'm not going to do anything different on those two days. And, you know, the cool thing all about Watermark is, you know, we don't say everybody needs to come wearing jeans and earrings and drink coffee. You know, our thing is, if, if who you are is wearing a suit and that's yes. how you're comfortable, that's awesome. We don't look at you like you're a freak. Nope. If you come in sweats, if you want to wear spandex, well, spandex, that's a little wrong. But, but <laughs> you know, whatever whatever that is, it, it's not about a style or a substance or whatever. It's it's come as you are. And I think it's hard for pastors to feel a permission to be that. And I think just like attitude trickles down, I think those things trickle down. That's As a leadership, you're kind of driving the smell of the places, I would say. And so someone's going to feed off of us as a staff and what we model, and people aren't they aren't going to feel permission to be themselves if they don't see us giving ourselves permission to do the same. Now, that's hard as a pastor because there's this natural paradigm and this expectation of how a pastor should dress, a pastor should talk. That's why there's some pastors that don't give a lot of um, validity to who I am or what I say or what I do because I don't, I don't act like a pastor sometimes. I don't dress like a pastor. It's one of the greatest compliments I can get that when somebody says, they meet me and they say, man, you don't remind me of as a pastor. And I go, hey, thanks. That's actually that's actually a great compliment because I don't, I just want to be me. I want to be the same guy on Sunday morning if you and I are playing cards, watching a ball game in your house on Thursday nights. And what we've learned is this. People say, what's, what's the secret of the growth and success at Watermark? Ultimately, it's God. He's come in and he's, he's camped out in this place and he's blessed it. But the thing we've learned is, you can work overtime to have lights and, and great bands and videos and all these things that, that really aren't impressive to our people. That's what they expect. Unchurched people go to Riverbend and, and arenas for concerts. They watch MTV. They got iPods. They got computer stuff. They wouldn't expect anything else. The, the people that are that are impressed with screens and all that, it's people like me that grew up in the church that go, oh my gosh, they've got this new service with screens and there's yeah. coffee and you get to wear jeans. That is a big deal to church yeah. people. Unchurched people show up and go, what else would you be? You know, yeah. the, the problem is we grew up kind of being an eight track church in an iPod world, you know, and but once you get in the iPod world, people go, well, what else would you be? That's that's normal. So what we've learned is while those things are important, relevant teaching, videos, multimedia, great bands that play relevant music, it's quality. At the end of the day, you can have all that stuff and still not connect with people. Yeah. The number one thing that's connected with people in this place, at least, is what you said, and that's authenticity. Yes. What you see is what you get. I'm going to say things that other pastors might not say. I'm going to talk about, honestly, I talk a lot about my own journey that's messy at times, and I don't do that for attention or to to bring attention to me. I do it because it gives other people potential and opportunities to come to grips with their own brokenness when they see me model that for them. Risky, 
And and we get a lot of, you know, a couple years ago I talked about internet pornography and some temptation with that. I got I got really ripped from some people. Oh, you, your reputation's at stake. You shouldn't be sharing that. Every one of those comments came from churched people. Yep. <laughs> the next day I had about eight unchurched guys that emailed me and said, hey, me too. How can I get some help and accountability? Exactly, you know? exactly. So so really, and, and I agree with you because what's, what's amazing, and that is the thing that drew me. I mean, I, I mentioned the fact that I love that I can be who I am. I can wear blue jeans and feel comfortable. And, and you know, if, if you do wear a tie and, that, and you feel cool in that, that's cool. Absolutely. Uh, but, but for me. But now when it comes to church stuff, you know, Sunday morning is not a good time for me, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it's, it's, it's not about me. Right. And, and you know, that's one thing, but, um, do I like more contemporary music? Yeah. But do I, do I like to worship on a Sunday morning? No. Do I like to stand up on a Sunday morning and worship God? I'll be honest with you. I don't. Right. I, I, I maybe that makes me an awful Christian. You really are Cliff. I, You're an I, awful I, Christian. I probably am, <laughs> but I, I just do not get into worship on Sunday morning. And, and I remember sitting down and being hammered in. It's like, well, if you would just prepare your heart before you come here, yeah. it's like, well, prepare my heart means yeah. that I need to go to bed at seven o'clock on Saturday night to right. be here. <laughs> but for me, it, what, what, the reason why I come on Sunday morning, the one, the one reason that I'm still drawn to be there, the one reason why I don't sleep in on Sunday morning is because I want to go and connect with people who are being themselves. Yeah. And it's, and it's weird because there, it, 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 even in culture today, not just in the church, even in culture today, it's hard to find people who are being themselves. That's exactly right. I was talking in our membership class uh, last month about that. I said, you know, people around you, even if they're not believers or Christ followers, they go throughout their whole day living in a fake world. From the moment they get in their car, whether it's at their work, at the ball field, in their neighborhood, everybody has a little bit of this mask, a little bit of this veneer over their life that because culture tells them they have to portray this image that says, no problems in our family. Behind yep. these doors, everything are good. Uh, the family's great. There's no dysfunction. There, there's, there's no problems in our marriage. We've got it all together. No problems. And they're, they're dying to get around some people people who will go, you know what, I'm a mess. Yeah. And the last place they expect to find that is the church because the church has been fake. Yep. And so when they come into a church, dying to and craving <laughs> that, they're blown away when they experience that in the church because it's the last place they expect to find that type of culture. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that I mean, there we Stephanie and I, we have literally uh, thousands of people who are who are following our shows, who follow us in, in all the different things that we do. And I remember I when I started podcasting, I used to take a one-hour show. Uh, used to take me about four hours to produce because I would edit it. Yeah. Stephanie and I would come behind these microphones here, mm-hmm. and we'd have some conversations, and she would argue with me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed that my wife has just <laughs> confronted me in yeah. that way with that attitude. Right. And I used to edit those things out. And it's good drama, man. It's what people want to listen well, to. Well, th- what I found is that all of a sudden one day I, I I just let it go. I'm like, you know, I don't even have time to edit this. And I let it go. And and people responded to that. Yeah. They're like, wow, Stephanie's yeah. a strong woman. Yeah. Before it was like Stephanie's like this little girl who just sits back and just <laughs> does whatever her husband says. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they, they learned who the real Stephanie was. It's like and they loved her. And I'm like, Yeah, no way. You guys love the fact that we're <laughs> you know, we're not this perfect couple. And, and all of a sudden, the, the mask came off, and I'm like, yeah. okay, you know what? I'm tired of not being me. Mm-hmm. I want to be me right. in front of the microphone. And, and this, was whole, this was all during this process of changing of who I think I am and mm-hmm. who, who I want to be. And, and so that was a, it was a huge thing for me. And so Watermark helped transform 
who I am and 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 how I think about things. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm still struggling, you know, in, in in a lot of areas of my faith. I still struggle with things. But I, if it weren't for for being around people who encourage me mm-hmm. the way that you do specifically and, and some of my other friends and accountability partners who encourage me just to be who I am and yeah. don't worry about being perfect, right. but just worry about trying to do what God's calling you to do next. Yeah. I would, I'm, I'm getting ready to step out January 1st <laughs> into this place where I have, I have literally no income plan for January 1st, 2008. Yeah. None. But all of a sudden I'm saying, okay, I'm going to make this step and I believe that God's calling me to encourage people through all this stuff. I don't know exactly how I understand all of it, but I know for a fact this is my calling. There's too much confirmation coming yeah. from every corner. I'm going to do this. And and it and it freaks me out at times. But at the other at the other point in my life, I'm saying, this is the first time. I mean, here I am. I've been a Christian since December 9th, 1991. I've been involved in leading. Bible studies, small groups, and pastoring and ministering since 1996. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in my life, for the very first time in my life, in 2008, I am going to trust God with my life. Yeah. What's up with that? Yeah, I, I felt the same thing when we stepped out to plant Watermark. I mean, we were in a, a seasoned church. We had two little boys, uh, solid income, health insurance. But there, there gets the point where that restlessness and that holy discontent inside of you is so great, you almost just can't function anymore until you finally step out and do that. And there's something cool about stepping out and doing something where you're so far in over your head. Yes. <laughs> you know, because it's at that place where you actually really are able to see God show up and do what only He can do. And you don't ever experience that till you take that kind of step. <laughs> exactly. And let me tell you something that's gone through my head here recently with with this whole process and and we're going to wrap up here in the next 5 minutes sure but um anyway the one thing that's been popping through my head is is that all of a sudden I'm realizing you know I really feel this desire to spend more time alone with God mm-hmm. you know I'm feeling really bad that I'm putting so much effort in this basically trying to pull all this off in my own energy yeah and and I feel this 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 gnawing inside that says I need to lean into God a little bit more yeah I need to seek first the kingdom which which for me right now I I'm not saying that there's any formula to that mm-hmm. and, and and I'm matter of fact one of the things I don't believe is that you have to read your Bible every day right. because the the acts two people didn't read their Bible every day mm-hmm. they just devoted themselves to what they knew sure. from God's word and so anyway but for me right now I'm really feeling this spirit the spirit calling me to say Open up your word and get in it and start reading it again because Cliff I and I I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself. I'm feeling myself being so involved in the culture right now that that I, I I'm starting to let it affect some of the ways that I think about yeah. my worldview. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I really need to get back in and and start making sure that I'm in line with God's thinking on mm-hmm. some things. But but the what I find is that I'm tossed between this world of wanting to do that because I I really desire to do that. And there are times when I say, wow, I'm really out here on the edge. And if I want God to be involved in what I'm doing, I need to go and do this for him. Right. And so I, there's, there's this thing, okay, so do I open up my word and start studying? But do I fear that I'm going to do that just so that God will then in turn do something for me? Does, yeah. does, does that ever happen to you? Yeah, it makes great sense. I, I used to be one of these people, I read my Bible totally out of legalism so I could check the box on the offering envelope that said attended worship, brought Bible, you know, read Bible, brought offering. And and uh, what I found now is even even when I go and I maybe only, there's partly in the back of my mind I'm only reading the Bible out of habit, even if that's my motive when I first start, 
still once I start reading it, God God takes what was maybe a habit or just a routine, and by the time that time's over, there's still some benefit that comes out of it. You know, and I like what you what you're talking about about this thing of of this this fine line of control. And I got I got to try to pull this off myself. I fell into that same trap in the first year or so of this church. Church planning is one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It's still very hard today, very challenging. Um, but I remember I, I got really sick. I'd never been to the hospital in all my life, and about six months into this thing, I was having all these stomach problems, spent two weeks in the hospital, could never find out what was wrong. And I think it was just exhaustion mm-hmm. and stress. And I, it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me because I laid there in the hospital bed while there was 8 million deadlines and things. And I'm thinking, this thing's going to tank. This is Satan. And what I realized is God took that opportunity to very gently and very quietly whisper to me, Chad, I don't need you. <laughs> I, I don't mean this bad, buddy, but I don't need you. I want you. But I don't need you. To, I'm going to get this done with with or without you. And it was great to lay in bed for that two weeks and come out and realize the church hadn't missed a beat. God wants me, and he invites me to this, but he doesn't need me to do any of it. And, right. And, and so I began to read the scriptures, and instead of reading the scriptures, I began to let the scriptures read me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a big difference. And, and, and I came to that great passage in John 15, 5, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And I had it backwards, you know. He says, he comes right out and says it. Apart from me, Chad, you can't do anything. Yeah. And I was thinking it's all about my messages and all about my energy and my gifts and talents and creativity and this slick program and this event. And I, and I felt God saying, yeah, all those things are important, but really without me, it, it's all pointless. You yeah. know, Chad, I, I I don't need you, but buddy, I want you, but relax and breathe because this is not up to you. It's not up to you to raise all the money and, and make sure the offering's there. It's not It's not up to you to save all the people. And, man, when you can come to a place and realize I'm just a part of this even though I lead this, it's just this freeing thing uh, when you finally come to that place on your journey. Absolutely. And, you know, Chad, um, we are going to have to come back again very soon cool. and do some more of this. Would love to. This, this has been awesome. This has been my dream of the About the Church podcast yeah. from the beginning Sweet. and uh so glad to finally have this uh, thing kick off here um if anybody wants to leave some feedback regarding what we've talked about here today do you have some questions about the the christian faith and i'm talking about the real hard ones you sure. know there are a lot of people out there that are afraid to tackle the hard stuff and and i think what you'll find with chad and i we're, we're both two guys that are not afraid to say we don't know absolutely and absolutely. uh and and to share that with you if you have some questions about the Christian faith, maybe we can cover them in a future episode. Just send your uh, emails, comments, questions regarding this podcast to cliff at gspn.tv. I'll make sure that uh, Chad gets a a copy of those messages as well. And uh, we encourage you guys to uh, really take a look at uh, the church again from a different perspective. Have you given up on church? I mean, obviously, I had given up on church. And and that's what I love about Watermark. Watermark is the church for people who have given up on church. Kim is in our chat room. Um, she she wrote up here while we were recording. She says, you know, Cliff helped spur to spur a great change in my life, even in a time when he wasn't spiritually, even during a time when he was spiritually bankrupt. Uh, still, because she was following me along my journey. Yeah. And uh, she says uh, it was still. She's still incredibly grateful for that. And she said she found a church exactly like Watermark where I live. And I love it. Awesome. And what was funny is she found this church called Reunion up in the Chicago area. Okay. And she was telling me about it, and I'm like, that's what stirred my holy discontent. I'm like, I want a church like that. No, you're the one who just became a Christian. You're out there, (laughs) and you find something awesome. That's awesome. I want that. And so, amazing stuff. So, if you're out there and you're thinking about your faith, 
and whether or not you have faith, whether or not you have a relationship with God. Are you are you fed up with church? Are you so burdened by church? You know, let's let's hear from you. You can also call us and leave us a voicemail and Chad and I can respond to it. The phone number is area code 859-795-4067. That's area code 859-795-4067. Chad, thank you so much, man. Thank you guys. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye.